Welcome to another episode of Invisible Disco Productions podcast, Writer's Block Party. We are hoping to share the work of emerging artists and break down the all-too-mysticized process of creating and developing art. Hi, I'm Amelia Annan. And I'm Venus Bullet. And today we have our wonderful guest, Miranda King, who is an NYC and LA-based actor, writer, and improviser who has studied at NYU Tisch Drama. During her time at NYU, she studied at the Lee Strasberg Theater and Film Institute and performed in an improvisational comedy group, Pasadena Golf Club, and came in first place at the National College Improv Tournament. She recently worked with Invisible Disco Productions to produce her first Zoom play, Bad Blood. Hi, Miranda. Hello. Hello. Hi, Miranda. Hi. How are you guys doing? Am I, I'm yeah. pretending like we didn't talk before we started yeah, recording. We, like, <laughs> I'm good. It's it's a rainy day, so. Oh yeah, it was. So, rainy. You know, I'm just ready to cuddle cozy up. up, cozy up, put on um, a Christmas sleep. movie. Ooh yeah, light a candle. Oh, what's what are your guys's go to uh, holiday movies? The holiday. It's, I've never seen that. Oh, it's the. Oh, best. that's with Cameron Diaz, right? Yes, and Kate Winslet and Jen Long. Oh. I, oh, that sounds incredible. I love all those people. Yeah. <laughs> um, I I actually don't know if Love Actually is considered a Christmas movie. I kind of think it's not, but they do. It, Christmas is in it, and I love that movie. So I think Love Actually. Mm. Oh yeah, I, I I think that's it counts. I th- I think it's Christmas enough. Like yeah. it's a it's a joyful movie. I would say Love Actually. It's one of my favorite movies overall. So. Oh, who's who's your favorite um little storyline in it? Like which storyline do you like? The oh best? yeah, I like. I mean, gosh, I don't know. I think, <laughs> um, I love the woman in the Hugh Grant one. Like, I, their storyline's okay, but I think the the woman actress, I don't remember her character's name, is just, like, a lovely actress, and she's so silly. Oh, the, um, the one where the president flirts with her? Yeah. Yeah, I think he's a prime minister. Oh, because I don't think Britain has presidents. No, no, no. the the president The president is in the movie, and she. Oh, like the president of the United States. Yeah, and they they like have. <laughs> Why am I acting like I've never seen this movie? Your favorite movie <laughs> of all time, Amelia. He, and I can't even remember the Hugh plot. Hugh Grant is the prime minister, yeah. right? And then yes. she she's his yes. secretary. And then they yeah. meet the president of the U.S., which they, like, totally, they totally make him a douchebag and, like, this scheming well, I mean, guy. Yeah. <laughs> I think he's supposed to be uh, Bush or Clinton? I I think, I literally couldn't tell you. I'm thinking um, Clinton because he hits on the secretary is what they're going I, for. There is, there is subtle Monica Lewinsky vibes, vibes of that, yeah. and that's why I say I, I only like, I don't, that's not my favorite storyline, but I do like that female character a lot, because I feel like she's actually a pretty well-written one, because she, like, is actually funny. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of times in comedies, like, they make the guys funny and the girls not. Yeah, and Hugh um, Grant's the bland one in that. He's the yeah. saltine cracker. The saltine cracker. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yes, 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 sure is. Um, um unrelated, anyway. I think you could play a great Monica Lewinsky. Me? Yeah, I think you could play a wonderful Monica Lewinsky. Thank you. If you ever wanted, thought of doing a biopic of someone... 
isn't Beanie Feldstein gonna play Monica Lewinsky? Oh, you're right. Oh, Is, aren't they doing a true crime of of that? I I don't know what they're doing it like what what form this is gonna take, but I'm excited to see her performance. I think I think she'll be good. I yeah, think she'll be really good. I agree. Not true crime. It's the it's the it's I always mix them up. It's the one that did the OJ story. So it's just like American stories. Oh. I think. Oh, like oh yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. Know. Or maybe I'm totally incorrect. I have no basis on these facts. We'll, we'll Google anyway. this later. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> we'll, we'll, I'll fact, our fact checker. Wait, what's Miranda's <laughs> favorite don't have holiday a... movie? Yeah, Miranda, this Since is about she's you. the guest, then people have had enough of me and Amelia. Yeah, 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 just shut up. <laughs> I feel what's like your favorite holiday? I, I don't watch, like, any movies that are specifically holiday-themed, but I'll watch a lot of stuff like um that reminds me of the holidays like I, I've started re-watching 30 Rock because for some mm. reason like I kind of associate that show with the holidays sure um and movie wise I feel like I don't I'm not a huge fan of most like holiday or, or Christmas movies but I do like like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory or something that feels like um more. Yeah, snow. It has snow in it, I guess. <laughs> but you know what? It has, it has snow. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like, I yeah. feel like around this time That's is... That's a movie you would watch on Christmas. Yeah, yeah, it's like, it's kind of a, like you, like around this time is when I, I really want to like take a deep dive into like my childhood and like wa- yeah. rewatch all the stuff I, I watched as a child. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That's an absurd movie if you really think about the plot. Grandpa Charlie Joe is um, a an f- asshole. Bitch. <laughs> yeah, Moocher. No, Moocher. He could he could walk the whole time. I anyway, know. enough about Grandpa Joe. <laughs> I would have loved more about you. Oh, oh, right. What would you have loved? Oh, I would have loved a scene where, like, Grandpa Joe stands up. Like, an alternate, it's, it's like, in the, you know how DVDs will have, like, alternate endings? But, like, the movie ends when he stands up, and they're like, you asshole! (laughs) And Charlie just has this whole monologue, and they they all berate him. Okay, before we read the piece, which I'm very excited about, do you guys remember on DVDs where, like, you couldn't save where you were? So you'd have to go to scene selection. Yes, yeah. And pick the scene. Uh-huh. Good old days. That you were like closest to. Yeah, that I just thought of that. Mm. Oh, and now and they... Netflix just saves where you are. Oh, right. Takes all the fun out of it. They mm-hmm. should. Anyway, Miranda, your piece. Oh, would you like me to read your it? The feature that you brought in, yes. What's it called? It's um from Mars and Pete Under the Stars, but I'm I'm just titling the stars. I'm looking up at the stars while I'm trying to look at the stars. (sighs) I'm staring up at the sky, trying very hard to see the stars through the heavily polluted sky, when suddenly my feet start to leave the ground. I'm getting higher and higher and higher, and I don't notice at first until I see a little boy tug at his mother's shirt and point at me in disbelief. A girl drops her ice cream cone and begins to scream. Other people start to notice and gather around me like I'm some street performer, like this is some cool illusion that I managed to pull off. In an effort to get back down, I'm wiggling my body, flapping my arms like I used to when I would try to touch my toe to the bottom of my pool, but to no avail. 
The growing crowd laughs and claps, but stops when I start screaming for help. Some people jump and try to grab my feet. You need to get a running start, I shout at them. A tall guy who had been playing basketball manages to grab my ankle with his sweaty palm, but he lets go when he starts to rise with me. One person frantically looks for a ladder. Another person's filming the whole ordeal on their iPhone, and I'm looking down at them, hoping that if gravity decides to return, it gently does so. A fire truck finally arrives, and as the firemen load out, I can already tell it's too late, and their ladder is not going to be able to reach me. A helicopter is called, but it can't get close enough to me without possibly risking severe injury. It's hopeless. I have to surrender to whatever greater gravitational force is pulling me away from Earth, and as I look down at the people looking back up, I notice one person look down and walk away, followed by another person, followed by another person, followed by another person, until all of them are gone, resigned to the fact that I'm not coming back down. No, I belong to the skies now. I would be lying if I didn't say that I'm a little hurt and feel betrayed by their relinquishment of effort. I, I try to comfort and remind myself, at least they tried. However, I can't. I can't help but feel scared, sad, and alone. And I want to cry, but I'm not going to cry. No, I'm not going to cry. I've been looking down for so long watching as people turn into grains of sand, homes turn into monopoly pieces, and highways turn into the tracks on my old Christmas train set, that I don't notice the air around me getting colder and thinner. It feels like air itself is flatlining on me. Eventually, all I can see below or around and above me are white fluffy beasts, I'm waiting for my lungs to collapse and my organs to fail me by the intensely pressurized air, but am met with the relief of still being alive and being able to breathe properly. The space around me begins to grow dark as Earth starts to shrink into a tiny sphere far, far away from me. I reach my arm out in a vain attempt to preserve my proximity to the tiny spherical Earth and... I feel so silly doing so. Instead, I decide to wave it goodbye and blow it a kiss. I can finally see the stars. That wow. that's it. That was lovely. That was beautiful. Thank you. This is the second time I've heard that, and I feel like different things stood out to me this time than the last time I've heard it. Yeah, me too. Which was interesting. I was like, oh yeah, that. Yeah. So, um, do you want to tell us a little <laughs> bit about? Yeah, let's like take in the moment for a second. Let's sit in that. <laughs> for a second. Uh, so, do you want to tell us a little bit more about where this piece came from and a little bit more about it? I guess just generally. Oh yeah, um, it kind of came just from my fear of um of growing up, I guess, or, or, um, sort of for me, like, especially with everything going on right now, I feel like in a weird place where 
um, because I'm taking a leave of absence this semester and a, a lot of friends or people I know are like getting ready to graduate and leave school. I feel like in this weird um, middle ground of like I'm I I'm it stuck currently or like I'm I'm not ready to leave and um, this is probably not going to be coherent but just my like the feeling of growing up for me feels a lot like floating or sort of like being pulled away from what is stable and grounded and so uh, yeah that's that's sort of where this came from like the fear of uh, growing up I guess. <laughs> yeah. You'd expect growing up to be, like, that theme to be more grounding, but instead it's like your safety net is being pulled from under you. Um, yeah, and you're, th- you're being pulled away from Earth, sort of. And I think this piece, I mean, you have done a great job with this piece in capturing that, because had I not heard that, I wouldn't necessarily think of it as growing up, but because there's so many imagery... Um, or like just you speaking the lines even that makes me think of many different themes that are like huge in my life so I think it Mm -hmm. like speaks to everybody whether they do have a fear of uh, growing up or whether they do feel stuck or not so like oh I'd love to I'd love to know like um what resonated for you like what what did it remind you of yeah, for me, I think it was more, um, like I, when you were talking about little um, grains of sands and um, houses getting smaller and people getting smaller, it reminds me of like looking down from a plane, um, because I can't yeah. fly, that's like the closest I get. Um, so that reminds me of like leaving the past behind, which is, I guess, an element of growing up. Uh, and more like acceptance as well, um, and kind of surrender. Um, mm-hmm. That's what I was thinking. Uh, what caught my attention, strangely enough, was like um, how like public reaction to tragedy, like the line that someone was was recording it on their iPhone. I was like, oh yeah, like that's definitely a thing people do, which. I- I always find kind of weird, but I get why people do it. It's good to have video evidence of things. But um, but I thought that was interesting how everyone was like... Um, I don't know, that just stood out to me. I also was thinking about the stages of grief. Because I think you actually have written them. You, I think you've written all five. Oh! <laughs> By accident. Thank I think you, you have. Like, <laughs> you actually go through... Because I don't know what they are. I think it's like... It's like denial, and then like anger, and then bargaining, and then depression maybe, and then acceptance. Um, uh, and I think you've written all five, so I think it's really oh, interesting. Thank you. <laughs> I didn't. Pat I didn't on the back. <laughs> Good job. Um, um, for the uh the people like watching and trying to help it, for me it's like um the the support system you have while you're growing up like you have you have your parents and your friends but they can only do so much and they're they're there for you but they can't like the experience of of like growing up or having to do whatever like you're completely alone in that whether or not you want to be and um I mean there are people there watching but they can't um 
They can't stop that process. Yeah. You gotta... So what was, like, the process of you making it? Like, did you just sit down and you were, like, done, wrote it in an hour? <laughs> or, like, were you... What, what, how'd you make it? I I first kind of, like, in, imagined it. Like, I, I was, like, walking ar- around and I was like, what if I just started... Uh, just, like, started leaving the ground and started, like, what would, how, what would everyone's reaction be, you know, like, <laughs> you just and then, it away. yeah, I'd be like, that, that's wild, like, would they think, like, maybe it's some, like, hidden camera prank show, or would, like, would people try to help me, would, would they just be watching, you know, and then, yeah. Um, I sort of just like imagined this, uh, crazy hypothetical situation, and then, and then I got to writing it, and when I wrote it, I, I just, like, sort of, yeah. like, um, animal from the Muppet, like, just wrote it down, <laughs> and then, like, clacking my keyboards, and then um, it was it was originally in past tense when I wrote it, and then I, I rewrote it in present, because I was, like... I like that a lot. Yeah. I think it's much more powerful than present tense. Even though I never heard the past tense one, I can tell. Yeah. <laughs> the past tense one was, like, I... Yeah, I, I wasn't... I think it, it's more potent um, in present tense. But it'd be funny if you find out that, in the end, this guy is, like, actually the... the uh, What's the what's the studio where the guy's on the moon and he has the fishing net? Oh, oh the DreamWorks. Works. Yeah, DreamWorks. It'd be funny if you found out at the end. It's it like him. the Fisher Man on the <laughs> moon. He should have an origin story. He should. He should. I always pitch that to DreamWorks. Pitch it to DreamWorks, baby. Make oh, I'll make a movie about him and pitch it to DreamWorks. Yeah, exactly. I think they'd buy that. I think that I think that's a great idea. Yeah, I bet they are. Same people who did Shrek. Yes. You know. Yeah. Yeah. On that note, Why there not? are a lot of like cinematic <laughs> elements that are kind of like stereotypical, like maybe a little bit cartoonish elements of a girl dropping the ice cream. And then, like, a boy tugging at his mom's shirt or skirt. Um, yeah. I, I, <clears throat> come on, DreamWorks, come on. <laughs> yeah, you uh, you write with, like, such amazing imagery. Like, I really was seeing it all in, in my mind's eye. Oh, thank yeah. you. Yeah, the imagery is so specific. So it does um, stick and it does stay with you. Um, and specific speaks to everyone. I've heard. Um, that's what they told yeah, me. Yeah, what's that stupid thing they tell us? They're like, the more specific, the more universal or something. That I one, that one. You know what I'm talking yeah. about? Oh, yeah. Teacher I think, um, I, f- I forget what his name is, but he wrote this story, um, like this guide to screenplay writing, and um, he mm-hmm. talks about how, like, bad movies will try to... Um, make experiences universal when they should just focus on like being specific about it and writing about a specific experience well which people can then relate to but when you're just working off cliches and stuff is it blake snyder is that the guy who wrote the book i think his name is robert or something robert let me there's a really good screenwriting book called save the cat by blake snyder it's pretty popular i'd read it for my class it's very like straightforward and helps you learn about structure which 
is hard. Do you write with the structure, Miranda? I'm very curious. Do you plan things out before you write it? I've tried to. Like, I will write. Mm-hmm. Um, I will try to do, <laughs> so like, <now. laughs> I, I will try to, like, uh, be like, this needs to happen and this should happen. And then I'll be like, and I'll discover an ending if I, or, like, if I come up with a good ending, then I will write it down and we'll be like, remember this. But generally, it's really hard for me to come up with endings because I'm like, mm. this, this, like, will live on, like, even if it. You know, even with movies, that's... Uh, I don't know if I'm making sense, but, like, I, I'm, like, in in my mind, like, an ending isn't really an ending. It's just, like, um, like this has to end here. And it's going to continue to live on, but you're going to go about doing mm. your own things, go about your day, you know? Yeah. I feel like endings are really important. It's so refreshing And they're to the hear, hardest though. thing to write. They are yeah. so hard. But it's so refreshing to hear you say that, so- Miranda, because I always think... My favorite characters after the movie ended live on happily ever after, you know, even if I'm not there to yes. watch it. Because <laughs> the movie oh, ended. that's kind of sweet. Yeah, cause for me, at bad. the end, at the end of rom coms and stuff, like for me, I'm like, that's a nice ending. But you know, there's gonna definitely be some like marital strife and tension through, <laughs> and like I like quarrels. I just like walk away from movies and be like. Like, it's gonna continue, like, in my head, I, like, I, like, think of, especially with, like, rom-coms or, like, shows where two people Mm -hmm. end up together, I'm, like, that fight, like, that fight is gonna be brought up a lot, like, at the end of Friends, (laughs) when Rachel and Ross are supposed to be happy at the airport or whatever. Yeah, you're, like, okay, but, like... I'm like, there's a lot of problems in that, yeah, I'm, like, there's a lot of problems in that relationship. It's definitely gonna come up, but... Yeah. Miranda, please don't try to take away my happily ever after away from me. No, I'm sorry. Okay, they live happily ever after with their baby Emma. Oh, yes, Emma. The baby. Yeah. <laughs> so do you know how this is going to end? Oh, um, not at all. <laughs> Good. That's what I like to hear. But I will, yeah, but I will, um, I will... Who knows? Maybe I'll I'll come up with something. <laughs> we'll so, see. So, so where does this monologue go in like the, the in the play? Um. Well, cur- it's currently it's uh about two guys who are sitting under the stars and having a chat, and um, I was yeah they're they're um, I'm thinking that one has either run away from home. Or they, this is the first time that I've written something where there is no container. It was just sort of like a free flow of thoughts. So I don't have, I never, didn't, like usually I will write with the premise in mind. But for this piece, it was just sort of um, like thoughts that I had in in my brain Mm -hmm. sort of talking to itself. And so I don't fully know the, the, container in which this is gonna live in but I'm thinking um one of them has either just run away from home and and met this other guy at the bus stop or it's uh two boys um like after they've graduated from high school oh that's really interesting and you started out by writing the dialogue between them yeah that's how I started with this piece because I um my initial the the thing that sort of like spurred this whole piece was um 
if you could go to space, would you? Like, if given that opportunity, and it's sort of related to the monologue I wrote, where it's like, if you're given this great opportunity, but it would mean, it would mean, like, leaving behind a lot of what you've already established on Earth, and, like, all the the wonderful friends or, or family, met, but it, it means, like, going on to accomplish this great thing, you know? Like, going to yeah. space, would you do it? Would you stay? What What would you guys do if if someone was like, "Hey, uh, you want to go to space? I'll fully fund your trip." But um, would, I, would I stay in space forever? Um, no. But it'll be it'll be a long time. Or what maybe it'll be forever. Time? Maybe you don't know. the The thing is, you you don't know. Oh, because well, if I you... don't know, then no, I won't go. <laughs> but it's fully I... funded, and you can say that you went to space. But then, who would you tell if you never come back? Oh, everyone knows about it. Like it's a televised thing. It's just your safety is like guaranteed as much as possible. But then there's also uh, the possibility of this being another like. Um, uh, what was that thing in the 80s when... The... Oh, Challenger Space Mission? Yeah, yeah. It, when it there's, blew up. There's a possibility. Okay, like, your safety's insured, but it might blow up. Yeah, this <laughs> might be another Challenger <laughs> thing. Yikes. So. Um, that makes me think of two things, and, I, and I'm and i interested. One, Stephen King in his book On Writing, it's literally called On Writing, talks about how writing's like archaeology, like you unearth your story, and I feel like that really applies to what you're doing, because you're like, I'm just like looking for it, and it'll come to me. Second, it's more of a question. Why? why? I'm obsessed with space, and I'm like, why are humans so obsessed with space? Why do we love it so much? I can never get enough space. It's so full I love of space mystery. Content. Yeah, I it think it's it's the like the perfect. Frontier. Yeah, it's it's the alluring like it's the person across from the bar where you're like, what what are they about? Like, I want to know their story, but they're so mysterious. Like, you don't know what's um. Humans what's love up mystery. There. Yeah, yeah, they do love it. So would you like go to space? The unknown. Yeah, would you? Yeah, would you go to space? I I don't know. Like I I genuinely don't know because. I feel like I would want to for the opportunity, but I would be so lonely and I would I would miss my friends and family. But I think, you know, if I did decide to go, I could I could have a good time with it. Yeah. Cuz it's it was sort of like the same thing of um even just applying to colleges or like going off to like NYU like I had so many friends who were so excited to go off to college and and like start this new life and you know and for me I was just like not excited at all like Mm. I was not um but but I'm so glad that I came to NYU and I ended up having like a a great freshman year but it, it sort of feels like um like these uh big milestones or like experiences um if you could have that experience like would you but there's a lot of uncertainty there yeah yeah done would you go to space similarly i think i would want to go for the experience of it and i would hate to say no but if i'm all alone like it's one thing if it's the three of us but if i'm all alone then we girls could, trip to space. <laughs> girls trip. Like, we could barely tolerate being at home all alone 
throughout quarantine. Like, how am I going to deal with being in space all alone? Um, you are yes. guaranteed a free subscription to Hulu <laughs> and Netflix and HBO and Showtime and Cinemax and and you, you have the whole Criterion collection. Oh my god, you could catch up on so many old movies and you are promised... Um, or you have another passenger, except it's a it's a chimp who knows sign language. You know, I think I'll stick to traveling around planet Earth. Turkish Airlines has a great collection of movies. Um, so I think um, I'll take that trip. <laughs> that's true. I'll stay in this stratosphere, thank you very much. Uh, but also, I'd be sad to say no. But I would say no. Sadly, no. I wonder who would say yes, and I wonder if I would say yes. I I don't know. I think it honestly would depend where you are in your life. Like, I think there... I feel like there could be moments for people that they would say yes, and there'd be moments where they would say no. Like, if you're happy, content with your life, you'd be like, no, I want to stay. But if you're super, like... What's the opposite of contented? unhappy like, with your life and you like you're like want to start new like why not you're unstable you're like yeah you'd be like free chip like, trip might let's, as well let's, let's, do let's it. go to yeah. space baby yeah it's one thing if it's like a week's trip like i'd say yes to that but if it's like an even unknown, if it were like a month yeah i'd go me too me too but like if it's, but if it's forever if it's forever no. and if it's unknown and also like time works differently so i don't want to like come back to see all of you be like 80 years old when i'm like still 21 which i mean oh is that how oh, that works what if what if exactly actually i'm i'm gonna oh, i'm sorry. gonna change things up a little bit what if it's okay. five years it's five years and when you go to space and come back this is not scientifically accurate let's say uh once you go to space and you come back your like body retains the same um like physical format of when you go up in space so you so you go up in space as a 21 year old you're there for five years and you come back and your your body and your mind is still 21 but everyone's 26 but you're you're 21 i mean sure (laughs) it makes me sad because i was on the i'm intrigued by space as well so i was on the phone with my friend today and i told her that i wanted to meet aliens and now i'm here saying no to this so that just means well I don't know. I'm like, do we have to go from the aliens? Will they come to us? Have they already come to us? Yeah. Are they among us? Am I? Are you? (laughs) I do think life life forms must exist on other planets. We are not that special. Yeah. Of course. It'd be really disappointing. It would be really weird if we were the only human planet with living beings. Like, huh? Yeah. Like. All the other planets couldn't function correctly. And this is the one that functions correctly? Like, this is the one? Because it ain't good. (laughs) So where does this character go? He goes into the stars. Does he continue into the, uh, into outer space? Oh, this is, um, sort of just like a dream sequence. This is a dream? This yeah. is a dream yeah. thing. I thought it was real. But maybe it will be real. I don't know. I'm 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 doing the Stephen King I'm sad. thing. I, I was ready for like a for like a a space adventure. Interstellar. <laughs> he he meets George Clooney's floating body. <laughs> 
George Clooney and Sandra Bullock are just floating around up there. We've talked about the other person in that movie. Yeah, that movie, okay, I haven't seen it. I've actually never seen the movie. Same, but I know the ending and the thought of, like, George Clooney's floating body in space, like, freaks me out. Like, dying in space. (laughs) You know movies aren't real, right? I know, I know, but the (laughs) thought of, like, that's so, that's so scary. Like, the thought of, imagine dying in space, and the worst part is you don't have a proper burial like your body's just floating in space it might i don't know that freaks me out like the thought of having an unproper burial (laughs) does that freak you out at all what would you consider what do you consider a proper burial like uh being underground being cremated like my body being donated to science Sure. My organs being given to whoever needs them. Like, that, to me, I'm, like, the proper burial. Like, proper. to me, the thought of my body just floating in space is, like, mm. so improper. <laughs> like, ah, that freaks me out. I don't know why. Yeah. So, this is a dream sequence. Mm. And how does it, or how does your um, dialogue in the beginning between the two guys fit into this dream sequence and fit into what you were talking about in terms of, like, uh, fear of going up and letting go of childhood, I guess. How does all those three things meet? Um, I haven't, I haven't, I, I don't know yet, but I'm thinking it's um, uh, Pete's meditation on growing up, like his, uh, what what's going on in, in his head. And um, I don't know if I would want this to be staged or filmed, but if it were to be staged, I'd love... I'd love, um, there's this theater company in Australia that does a lot of physical theater, and so they'll, um, they have this production called of Things I Know to Be True by Andrew Bowville, I believe, and, uh, the in- initials, uh, sequence, or, like, one of the opening pieces is this girl talking about going on this great European adventure, and her family members are there, or the actors playing her family members are there, and they're, like, holding her and lifting her, and she's, um, I I would love, like, a, like, a physical, uh, piece where where you see this person actually like floating in the stage but the curtains behind them are like lit like stars and i don't know i i would love it to be like yeah i'm getting a A movement based piece oh i'm sorry a lot of what vibes little prince oh i've never read that same i should read it um, I love Pina Bausch, so I would love, like, a, a nice movement piece to this. That'd be really cool. Yeah. If this was, like, you only wrote a couple scenes and the rest was, like, a dance. Tons theater. I think a it's dance, like... movement theater. Yeah. <laughs> I can't hire that. Dancers the... as all the different planets. Though, oh, that would be cool. I hire the SNL cast who is in the theater sketch and they're just on their boxes like Oh yeah yeah yeah. Yeah, <laughs> uh. yeah so Pina Bausch you said that you <clears throat> do love her. Are there other creatives or writers that inspire you or just artists in general? Oh, um honestly I'm like really inspired just by the work that we've been reading in our theater or I mean in our writers collective like um 
like I've recently just been reading more stuff that my peers are reading, which is really always really inspiring and like um learning from them in this process, but I also love my Angelo. I think she is um a phenomenal woman. Uh her she has a poem called Phenomenal Woman. It was making a little joke. It was a little there. joke. I um, I think she's she's such an inspirational person and like such a positive uh like role model, you know, like she isn't um like she's lived a really difficult life and has managed to um view it in such an optimistic way and like I think she's such a uh she's like I I feel like they're there are few artists or like art pieces that I, I will go back to in my life or like sources for sources of inspiration or like if I if I just need like a a, a pick me up because I'm I'm feeling whatever way like her and also the movie Spirited Away are like great things that I will return to just to um sort of like uh yeah like I feel like people you know how people like will turn to religion or or God or like I think it's it's important that artists go to like pieces that they're inspired by or like artists or mm, or yeah. their works that yeah. I also love um Dave Chappelle. So the the question of the century, the question of the podcast, um what do you do when you get writer's block? I I don't know. I'm oh well I I'm like does it count if I, cause usually it's easy for me to come up with ideas, but I have a lot of abandoned projects, like stuff I start, and then I'm sure. like, I'm gonna go into this so you're thing. Like, I abandoned. <laughs> yeah, but but they're still they're still like legally my children, you know. But I yeah, will yeah, return. Yeah. I will return to them. I'm just gonna <laughs> have another child. Yeah. Um, but like usually it's easy for me to come up with ideas. It's and then like sort of start them it's just hard for me to finish them usually um usually with ideas I'll just get a word or something and then go off of that I've been writing a lot of sketches recently which is well that's fun um, yeah so I'll have a lot of ideas for sketches but then I'll start writing them and I'll be like is this even funny do I even know what funny (laughs) is you know and yeah yeah. have you guys been working Oh, what were you going to say? Do you find yourself um, taking a different route while you're writing for comedy or for sketch um, versus something like this? Um, sort of, yeah. Because I think with, with yeah, definitely. Because with this, I'm um, a little more, it feels like a little more lenient in a weird way. Whereas with like sketch or comedy, I'm like, I'm I'm always thinking about game and the pattern yeah. like patterns and um one upping it whereas with this I'm like it, it it's a little more like uh, amorphous like it things can happen whereas with sketch or comedy I'm like all right got to think about game got to think about like yeah sketch and- is very uh what's what was the word I just thought of it's very formulaic yeah. in in a way that always works yeah. But but theater doesn't have to be as. Is game a terminology formulaic. or is game like game as we Yes. Know, like, do you want to tell us a little bit about it's game? Like, 
You tell us what game means for Oh, yeah. Game is uh, the seed of the joke. So it's it's uh, what's funny and how um, and how you can add on to said funny. Like, uh, like let's say the um, you're in a scene with someone and oh, oh, Amelia, what's a what's a sketch that you wrote where what was the weird funny thing of your sketch? Oh, any sketch I've ever written. Yeah. Okay, the first sketch I wrote was called Happy Birthday, and it was people, like, singing Happy Birthday, but then at the end of every verse, like, the waiter would, like, um, sing something that's, like, exposing a secret of the, uh, of the uh, birthday girl, and so the first one was just, like, I know you cheated on a math test in high school, and the second one was, like, I know you're lying about your age, and then the third one was, like, this extended monologue about how she like murdered her ex-lover and like her like it's like ridiculous and just like (laughs) absurd and like the person doing it was screaming and climbing on the table so that's like that's like the three one-upping yeah like the The one-upping each other the game of the of that scene would be like um like birthday uh like the the weird funny thing is like exposing secrets exposing secrets yeah, yeah during um an unexpected like you know, and if someone... In an unexpected scenario. Yeah, yeah exactly. it, it'd sort of be like, um, and then and then in improv, there's this form called the Herald, where it's like, um, if if that were the first scene, where it's a birthday party and, and this, for this waiter exposing the secrets, the second scene would be like a sort of similar scene, where you're taking the idea of, of that first scene, so it could be like a... Um, instead of a birthday party, it's like a couple getting married, and then um, a bridesmaid giving a toast to them, but then she starts exposing their secrets, you know, she's like, yeah, and then the third one might be like a funeral, or like, like, I'm trying to think of how you could like, really, oh, or like a graduation, and then the, the dean is giving and then they'll be like um handing out diplomas but then maybe for the third person getting their diploma they start exposing like that person's mm-hmm. so it's like sort of building or like living in the a different container but the same ingredient okay if that makes sense yeah yeah good um there you go everybody right good, good. Right. <laughs> 101 write that down <laughs> write that down well yeah thank you for that i did not know that I'm college and teacher yeah. that. learning more and more every single day. Yeah. Um, about the way that you've written this, um, this what we just read, do you often find yourself writing in prose or like monologues? Or do you tend not to do that? Um, sometimes I'll, I'll have like a, a reoccurring thought and then um or like a line that just keeps like poking at my brain and then I'll start to write uh just based off the thought in in prose so like one like I wrote this monologue once because I kept for some reason this one line kept coming up in my head where it was like I got an itch and it hurts like a bitch and I kept like I kept trying to trying to think of something else like it's sort of like you know when a song gets stuck in your head but mm-hmm. I'm like this is coming from nowhere like why 
why am I being plagued with this thought? I'm like, I guess I have to write something about it. I guess I have to like, you know, sort of like how you have to listen to the end of a song mm-hmm. in order for that that one line or lyric to go away. I, I will get like um, annoyed by this one thought and I'm like, well, then I, I have to write this and finish it so it it goes away. And so, yeah. Yeah. I don't know if that that makes sense. No. Yeah. It totally makes sense. Yeah. Because I guess that's also like a good way to get yourself to write it, you know. Like yeah. listening to the music just because you want to get it um out of your head. And onto a piece of paper. Yeah. I agree. Well. Well. I have one final question for you, Miranda. Mm-hmm. And and it's and it's and the question is, what themes do you like to write about in your writing? It's a very simple question. Growing up. Growing up is definitely one of them. That's one. Um, I also, uh, I haven't written about this, but I, I guess, like, I, I do have, like, uh, a list of things that seem to be themes in my life that I'm like, I should keep note of those things, so I should write about them. Definitely uh, being, like, a second-slash-third-generation Korean-American, that experience. Um, Also, with just being Asian-American and and sort of, like, my relationship to mental illness and like familial trauma through that and and um like how um Asian Americans tend to deal with that and um I'm trying to think of another one oh oh uh I guess like this isn't really a theme but the the like sigh silence does that make sense like uh Sure. Like, because I used to have, I used to constantly have dreams as a kid where I'd be, like, screaming, but nothing would come out. Wait, I had those same dreams. That's so funny. Oh, really? Were you, like... I have... Because if you It would be, like, I scream and... Because if you scream, you'll be screaming in reality, like, not in your dream. No. No? I don't think so. Because I recently have started having dreams where I can scream. Oh. Oh. But I used to have dreams where I would open my mouth to scream and nothing would come out. What does that mean? Do you feel like you're gaining more um, more autonomy now where you can actually, like, that's why you're able to actually fully scream in your uh, dreams now? Like, you have more of a voice? I, I don't know what that means, really. I don't. Because it... Cause I, what do you think it means for you? For me, definitely as a kid, I had a very difficult time articulating myself like I was a very sensitive very emotional child and it was frustrating because like I I felt like I could never find the right words to communicate how and why I was feeling whatever way I was feeling and so um I think my dreams um were like a manifest manifestation of that where I was like like in my dreams I'd be like so angry at someone or so upset by something and I would be screaming but I'd be like I'd be like I'm so like it'd sound like like Gollum or something where I'd be like "Ah!" 
but nothing would come out. And then in my dream, I, I was, like, aware of that, and I kept trying to, like, scream the thing, but it wouldn't come out. And then I would wake myself up by being like, no! What? <laughs> and then, like, I would actually wake up screaming. Um, and, yeah, I, I think that's that's why I had those dreams. Wow. Yeah. You what do you what do you think they they funny dream interpreters are listening to this do let us know yeah amelia what do you think your uh dreams meant you've somehow turned this podcast into you asking us questions and i <laughs> love knowing i'm, I'm curious <laughs> i want to know about i i don't know i think that um i don't know what it, it means really what a, a silently screaming screaming and nothing can come out means mm-hmm. I don't know what it means but um, I do think it's interesting and I think that like I don't know I find it interesting because you say you like you have a hard time expressing how you feel but I feel like your writing is actually very expressive thank you I think I've definitely gotten better with that with expressing myself but it was definitely um like hard for me when I was younger and I definitely do struggle with it now where like um like I I it's hard for me to be honest if I'm upset like I will um because because I I think like I and like most people also experience like gaslighting themselves you know, where you're like, do, like, is me being angry or upset, like, does it make sense right now? Am I just being whatever? And then so you don't want to talk to the other person about it because you're like, oh, I'm just being ridiculous. But no, I think, I think people should share whatever because um, it's valid. Yeah. Like, I mean, on the topic of silence, now that you've said it, it did strike me as a very silent um, monologue or a piece especially after this person went to the went from went from out of the atmosphere I was just automatically struck with like silence because I don't know what's out there to tie it all in a nice bow isn't space silent oh yeah, yeah you can't isn't there no sound in space yeah, yeah. Exactly. sound doesn't really travel that's why unless you're like, in your little um, yeah yeah uh we love space we do call nasa <laughs> and with that i say peace out call Good nasa day. Peace out. <laughs> um call nasa peace out thank you so much Miranda. Miranda, thank you so much for coming to talk to us of course thank you Those for having me and gosh. if you've reached the end of this podcast um thank they you will. for listening yeah. uh th- they will they're contractually obligated this <laughs> this i promise is not an ad but get blue apron it's great <laughs> <laughs> um well thank you so much for everything that you've shared with us and for making us mind i loved it and thank you everyone listening thank yes. you thank you for having me Bye. love you all bye. <laughs> bye don't forget to follow miranda and us on all other Rider's Block Party was created by Invisible Disco Productions. It's produced by Amelia Annan, Danis Blux, Lauren Montez, Thea Thronson, Colleen Annan, Jess Thronson, and Jim Keen. And is edited by Noah Friend. If you enjoyed this, check us out at IDP Presents WVP on Twitter and at Invisible Disco Productions on Instagram and Patreon.
Thanks so much for tuning in for our first season. Our next episode will go live February 2021. We'll see you soon, and as always, have a wonderful week.